Welcome to The Book Podcast, where we discuss books about the book, the Bible, with your hosts, Scott Moffat, Gabriel Penfield, and Gary Karwaski. Hello to our listeners. Welcome to a special edition of The Book. Today we take our bre- a break from our interview of authors to meet with a missionary from, from FIM, Fellowship International Missions. And he serves currently in the nation of Portugal. I'd like to welcome Jeff Welch to our broadcast. He is a missionary who began first... Uh, with Word of Life, and in the past year has exper- has uh, changed to FIM. As a side note, Jeff grew up in my church in Washington, and as a youngster, before becoming a teenager, he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'd like to do is begin with Jeff. First, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. And we're joined by uh, Gabe Penfield, my grandson. And Jeff, would you share with us your testimony of how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, it all starts with my praying grandmother. Uh, first, if if you would like to hear an extended version of my testimony, Charlie Bing just did one for his Simply by Grace podcast. Um, but in short, my testimony was I was lost. My grandmother was praying for me to be saved um, my entire life. And it was through your preaching at Lacey Bible, actually Lacey Chapel at the time, now Lacey Bible Church, um, that I heard the gospel from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in November of 2010. I believe that Jesus died for my sins upon the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. And the Lord set me on a path of ministry. I started serving in the Awana group at mm-hmm. our church with, actually with your father, Gabe. And um, the first person I ever led to the Lord was a child in the Awana clubs and just found out my spiritual gift, went to Bible college, and God set me on a path to be a missionary. That leads us to our next question, um, which is, um, how did you experience a call to be a missionary? I think a lot of people don't understand the calling. What was your experience? I like the phrase, why wait for a voice if there's a verse? Okay. And so when I think about my calling, really, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at Mark 16, 15, um, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. However, I did have some experiences in my life my my best friend died uh four hours Mm -hmm. after he was saved and that that really um jarred me to evangelize affected you deeply right Mm -hmm. and seeing the need for evangelism in the world i i I used to work as a home designer assistant draftsman Mm -hmm. in fife washington at a company that was primarily jehovah's witness and 
sitting in that office and seeing the people outside every day, I knew I needed to go out with the gospel mm-hmm. message that I had with me there in that office, mm-hmm. but to go out to the people and, and to share the word. Mm-hmm. Great. Now you've been a missionary for a couple of years and on the field. Um, I'll go first. What missionary, uh, excuse me, what misconceptions did you have when you went to the field and how did you overcome those misconceptions? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I had any misconceptions. Like, did I you think, think I, when you went out to the field, you were going to be eating bugs or you know, that kind of thing? Well, saving Europe, Africans. Or, Europe's not really third world. Right. So, um, I think I had the idea of, you know, it was going to be easier than it is. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, The mission field is quite challenging. You encounter challenges with the language. You encounter challenges with the people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, Mm -hmm. but what I didn't expect was, you know, just knowing that there's challenges amongst Christians that you work with. Mm -hmm. And how do you handle those challenges in a godly way? And... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so, all not peace and heavenly uh, strings are playing with other missionaries on the field. You know, there, there can be um, problems with people. There, sure. There. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're all sinners and we need the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do, you think, what do you think would be the best thing if I was looking at missions or somebody else was looking at missions? What's the best thing you think you could do to prepare for missions right here, right now, when you're not even on the mission field? Bathe it in prayer. I think that your decision-making process in in missions first needs to be bathed in prayer and seeking the Lord's guidance. Talk to the elders of your sending church. Mm -hmm. I think that this is a very important um, aspect of missions. You know, many times mission agencies tend to take the role of being the sending agent. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember mm-hmm. that the, the church behind you, the, the elders, the authority from God in their lives mm-hmm. and sending you out as a great commission worker is very important. Uh, when we encounter troubles in the field, they're the ones that we talk to and seek our advice. and Like Paul uh, and Barnabas had the church at Antioch supporting them, praying for them, exactly. coming back to report to them. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I would say making sure that you have a great a connection with your home church first, um, confirming your call as a missionary and not going out on your own authority. Mm -hmm. You need to go out on the authority of the word of God, but also the authority of the the elders. How do you confirm, you talk about confirmation, how do you confirm that that's your calling? Like, how do you know that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I would say... um, the, the Lord made it clear to me when I when the Holy Spirit was clearly using me in evangelism and was giving me opportunities. Yeah, wouldn't you say it's the positive um, response you received to your ministry that, that God's called you to do that? Sure. I mean, a lot of people go out and evangelize. That doesn't mean they're going to be successful at it. Where you've gone mm-hmm. out and you've, you've seemed to have um, brought home a lot of people into the, right. into the family. Actually, here's a going back to the misconceptions. Mm-hmm. I think that... There's a misconception in the church that the evangelist or the pastor is the one who's supposed to be doing evangelism. Right. But actually, all Christians are commanded to That's evangelize. True. Yeah, it's a command. Right. It's not an option. And another misconception is, oh, a missionary is someone who goes overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not. That's true, but that's not limited to that because... 
uh, a missionary is someone who goes to their neighbor. I just did a sermon at a church in New Jersey, and my um, proposition statement was near or far or anywhere in between where the gospel isn't is where the mission is. That leads me. I'm just, it's not on our questions, but I, I just thought of this. Um, what do you consider yourself primarily, a missionary or an evangelist? I would say I'm an evangelist primarily. Mm -hmm. The the mission is for all believers mm -hmm. to partake in. Jesus gave a great commission task, which is completable, by mm -hmm. the way. It's a completable mm -hmm. task. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that he's given some as teachers, as pastors, as evangelists for the building up of the body of Christ. Don't you think that's the most disregarded gifting of leaders in the Bible? Evangelists is dissed sort of today within the church. I think that there's um, there's a common objection to evangelism, mm -hmm. which is it's not my gift. Mm -hmm. And you know, Sam Fry, my mentor from Word of Life, brought this to my attention. Well, if what if we said that about other spiritual gifts? Mm -hmm. Say someone in the body experienced the death of a loved one and they need your help. You don't say, well, mercy's not my gift, so go talk to the guy with mercy. Or the offering plate is passing by you. I do that with giving. That's not my gift. <laughs> oh, it's not my gift, so I'm not going to give. Why, why do we do that with evangelism? Well, it's because the gift is not evangelism. It's the gift mm -hmm. of an evangelist. Mm -hmm. Right. And so building up the body of Christ. And it's a good distinction. Mm -hmm. in, in our field context, um, the churches need to be bolstered in evangelism mm -hmm. and to see a unity, a connection amongst mm -hmm. the believers in, in this work. Yeah. And God, God is already doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good question. Um, what is the most helpful thing to you while in Portugal? Like, I mean, it could be like a physical thing, could be um, relationships. It could be like, what, what's been the most helpful to you there? You know, it hasn't been the easiest time. I would say in always um, my connection to the Lord personally, mm -hmm. being deeply rooted in the grace of God. When all else fails, your relationship with Christ is the bedrock. Um, the second, I would say, is my relationship with my wife. Mm -hmm. She's a great encourager, um, teammate, mm -hmm. friend. Uh, so she's she's just been amazing. And, you know, being an awesome mother to our daughter, Ray. Yeah. Um, so... I would say the next would be the encouragement that we receive from people like you here at home. Um, you know, there's been a number of times where I've talked to you, Pastor Scott, mm -hmm. um, and really just when I hang up the phone, I'm I'm there on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And I just received exhortation from someone from a land far, far away who has a deep uh, relationship with me in my life. Mm -hmm. But what happens the rest of the week? Mm -hmm. I'm in a church that doesn't speak my language. I'm in mm -hmm. a culture that I don't fully understand. Right. Um, so those words actually go a long way. Don't underestimate the encouragement that we give to missionaries because it really means a lot. Yeah. Flipping that on its head a little bit, what's been the most enriching thing in your life that you've experienced through a cross-cultural experience? Hands down, question. See, seeing a national of, of the country that you're in doing the mission, um, taking the baton mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. saying, this ministry has become my ministry. Mm -hmm. 
and knowing that like something that didn't exist at all that wasn't happening um or at least to our knowledge wasn't happening so often. reproducing yourself correct and so mm-hmm. so seeing a, a disciple of ours mm-hmm. saying this is the purpose of my life more to the yeah. point of reproducing and, christ with through you yes mm-hmm. and so I, I would say that that's been the most enriching mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. you know um just to give a very quick example of of this um not with someone that we had a deep discipleship with, but someone who came to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was very early on in our time in Portugal, and our landlady, she sent up her grandson with uh, food as a mm-hmm. gift, mm-hmm. and we got to lead him to Christ mm-hmm. in our kitchen, mm-hmm. a 15-year-old boy. And when he was leaving my house, what he said was, could you imagine if you never came? Mm-hmm. I would still be lost. Mm-hmm. That's pretty deep. And right then, all the hundreds of hours of of training and preparation and packing and moving and trying to learn language and, mm-hmm. and going to a new field, it all in that singular moment was worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if he di- didn't accept Christ, being faithful is worth it. But to hear him mm-hmm. say, imagine if you never came. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was powerful yeah. for, for me. What you're, what you're saying about making disciples, I think we kind of get wrapped up as mission or like we talk about missionaries and it's like go to the ends of the earth and make converts of all nations right no the verse doesn't say that it says make disciples of all nations so seeing like somebody who isn't just saved but also like is reproducing and taking what you're teaching them and putting it into practice like that i bet makes is very much an encouragement to see that it is and it's really wonderful from like a free grace perspective Mm -hmm. to see people come out of um False ideas of what the gospel is. Enslavement of Catholicism. Or really this. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. even um, like the discipleship gospel. Mm -hmm. Trying to live a sanctified life in order to prove it that Mm -hmm. I'm saved. And so this, Mm. when this clarity happens with those we train, Mm -hmm. it's been explained to me that they felt like something was unlocked. Mm Mm-hmm. And like they were under the yoke of the law, they were mm-hmm. under this prison, and and God sets them free. And then we see that their evangelism just skyrockets mm-hmm. because they understand that it's evangelizing. They're getting off that guilt. treadmill of trying to work your way to heaven, trying to prove you're good enough. Right, and I would say even the treadmill of trying to mm-hmm. impress those in in the body of Christ with a, like a legalism. I really am saved. Yeah. <laughs> How can somebody know? I'm just thinking like practical for the listeners, like they're mm-hmm. listening to the podcast and they know missionary work's important. How does somebody know, um, we kind of touched on it earlier, but how does somebody know that like they should be a missionary or they should be supporting a missionary or how does somebody know their role in missionary work? Like maybe walk through your process of how you got to that point. But like sometimes you can see like you can never know for sure. And it's just kind of like, you go, you go, you stay, you stay. How does somebody know that they're supposed to go into missionary work? I think it's easier to find the limitations than to actually find, um, like, like to try to pinpoint an exact, okay, now the, the switch has been flipped and mm-hmm. it's time for me to go. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the switch was already flipped at the cross. Jesus paid for our salvation. He told us to go into all the world with the gospel. It's a mandate to the great commission is a mandate. Mm-hmm. And so when we um, think about the mission, being a part of it is not optional. 
it's a command of Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. However, what role do we play? So if you're 80 years old and you're sitting in your house and you're in a wheelchair, it's probably unlikely that you're going to go out with me on the streets of Portugal and share the gospel. Mm -hmm. That That's yeah. a limitation. However, we're all called to either be a goer, a giver, or a guide. Mm -hmm. And the guide is someone who encourages, equips, prays, um, gives advice, and just it's an indispensable aspect of the ministry. Yeah. Uh, missionaries need support. They they need support emotionally, physically, mm -hmm. spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, right now, we need people. We need people with talents who can join us in the mission. We have a great need for administrative work. Um, our point of view is if someone joins our team that they participate in evangelism because that's the primary focus of what we do. Mm -hmm. So what, I don't know. Explain, evan explain evangelism. When when you talk about evangelism, what do you do? What does that look like? Share the good news with lost people. Share the good news with lost people. But like you're, you're on you're, the streets. You're more on the street though than a, like personally interacting with your neighbor or coworker. You're actually going out and confronting. People There's a with misconception. The <laughs> Go ahead. So so this is a common misconception about us guys who are serving in open air evangelism. Mm -hmm. it, it's very easy to think that that's all we do. Um, no, or, or at least primarily, mm -hmm. um, I think that that would be the most visible right. way right. that we're, we're seeing. And open air evangelism um, is for listeners. What does that look like? Uh, preaching in the, in the open air, in the public square. Um, and that doesn't always look like standing with a megaphone and <laughs> right, being, right, like, that's right. a, that's another mistake. You guys are burning, going to yeah. hell. Tur no, that's not open we, air evangelism. That's not, we don't do any of that. But most Christians, if you were to percentage uh give it a percentage i bet you it's under one percent of actually done open air evangelism sure actually many people that come out with us it's it's the first time that they've ever done right. it and so i was going to describe go, that a little bit for us what it's like to have a first timer no what it actually is yeah open air so we we like to go out into the towns and um, we have different methods, um, different ways to reach people with the gospel. Mm -hmm. We have one-to-one -one style witnessing mm -hmm. where we're just in a public square and we're talking to people. Mm -hmm. Very natural. Mm -hmm. We go from the, the secular to the spiritual to the gospel, as Larry Moyer from Evanto mm -hmm. uh, yes. teaches. Mm -hmm. um, and other times we use a method like using a paint board and displaying a riddle message on it. Mm -hmm. And we'll say... If you can solve the riddle, you'll win a prize, and we'll also tell you some good news. We'll have one to two hundred people a night stopping to hear the gospel in the right. streets of Lisbon. Um, in our case, in 2022, over 40 language groups were contacted, some from India, Nepal, who had never heard the name of Christ. That's a vacation destination. It's a very tourist-centered yeah. yeah. place. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, will that work in America? And if so, uh, what kind of venues will Work, will work best it has worked in america for a long time mm -hmm. uh actually my roots in i mean because most air. american towns don't have central malls or those things anymore but maybe a mm. shopping mall sure i here's what i was going to say is mm -hmm. the the back side of evangelism um the majority of the evangelism that i participate in is not in the open air mm-hmm it's in the local grocery store. It's mm -hmm. on an airplane. It's in a bus. Mm -hmm. It's with the people that I meet. We we actually, uh, I'm 
a big fan of delivery food. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's a service in our town called Itiseta Eats. And they have a bunch of guys who work in this. Uh, they ride, you know, motorcycles. They bring the right. food up to your right. house. Mm-hmm. And over the course of two and a half years, I've gotten to know most of these. Well, there was a, a young Brazilian guy who came to my house a number of times. Mm-hmm. And I kept handing him gospel tracts and sharing the gospel with him. And he said, well, I read it, actually. I already read it. I said, well, I'm going to keep, you know, telling you until we have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And right there on the the front, you know, my front porch in the in the foyer there in the apartment building, uh, Gustavo trusted Christ. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wow, thank you so much. And I was able to give him a, a Portuguese Bible. And mm-hmm. so this is the type of missionary work that is not seen. It's right. it's living your everyday life. Isn't that what every Christian should be doing? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And why aren't they? Well, that's a bigger. Well, that's, that's but, another but Jeff, I'm I'm scared, right? Or or <laughs> other people are more comfortable with it, right? You're a natural at it, right? No. Some people are so natural at it. I I stumble over my words. I don't know what to say. It's hard for me. Like, here's a, another misconception. <laughs> I experience fear in evangelism every time. What? But you're um, a missionary. What we do with our fear is what matters. Mm-hmm. And I like to say we we overcome um, fear with boldness. But how do you do that? It's having a right perspective of who God is versus mm-hmm. who man is. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting your eyes off of yourself and off of others and putting your eyes on God, then it becomes more mm-hmm. scary not to share the gospel with the lost. Mm-hmm. Jesus said that the people were dispirited like sheep without a shepherd, that they were harassed, destitute. It, you know, these when you look at a, a lost person on the street, this is someone who has a, a history, a life, mm-hmm. they have a family right. and a destination. I know in my own family, when Jesus entered into my life, this made a significant rift uh, in my my family. First it was difficult, but now some are coming to know the Lord. Yeah. So you never know if you're preaching to someone in the open air, you lead them to Christ, you might affect generations of their family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know, um, what was I going to say? Um, you have a question. Yeah, I have a question. Um, a little bit different. Um, you're giving all the time. You're, you're putting out all the time. You're having to plan, do all these things for uh, missionary work. How is the Lord currently working in your life? What what changes? What things are going on in your personal life? And I'm, you, mm. you don't have to share anything that's personal or intimate. But how is the Lord, you know, speaking to you? What major ways? Big question. I know. Trust. Because we're supposed to continue to be mm-hmm. growing. Well, I've I've had a very awesome experience in recent history with the birth of my daughter um you guys know our daughter and my wife almost died during the delivery process at the hospital in lisbon and i actually remembered a chuck swindoll sermon where he said when you don't know what to pray pray jesus help and even the doctors attested to the fact that god showed up in the operating room and my wife's life was saved. The baby didn't die. Um, and so what I've been confronted with is if God loves me so much, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
that here on you know the great commission passage go therefore and make disciples of all the nations teaching them baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit mm-hmm. and lo i am with you always even till the end of the age mm-hmm. they don't teach you in missions class in bible college about the presence of christ in your life in a near death circumstance yeah and so i've drawn closer to the lord through that um that process i have a wonderful family god rescued them but then I, whenever something challenging comes up, it's nothing. This is nothing for the Lord because he's already proven first at the cross, but then also experientially in my life, his faithfulness. Yeah. It means one thing when when you believe that and think you're in your house and things are going easy, but it means another thing for God to be with you when something like that happens. Right. When and a family member's close to death, when you're sharing the gospel, it means a lot more. Sure. And... And in positive ways, you know, not to make everything so dreary, um, when you're on the street or in a situation and you're witnessing to someone and you just don't know the answer to an unbeliever's objection and you pray, God, give me the wisdom to answer this. And he gives you a verse mm. and you can like see God's faithfulness in that as well. Yeah. well. Let's stick with that since we're talking about difficult times. Mm. What has helped you the most? to persevere through difficult times. I know the word of God and, and I know the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not, that's a good answer. Yes. We can't answer Jesus here. <laughs> I would say aside from the fundamental basics of being in the scripture, mm-hmm. having your church in the body, um, I would say deep abiding relationships mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. the years. When trouble came my way, I was able to call you First of all, I was able to call my other mentors Mm -hmm. and ask them for advice, Mm -hmm. ask them for wisdom. I think that that the promise in James, if if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I was doing that quite a bit, and God just kept sending me people who were wiser than me. Well, Scripture also says there's wisdom in many counselors. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I would say that the deep abiding friendships of the past Mm -hmm. have been the the source of encouragement mm-hmm. for me outside of the scriptures so you can sort of see the ways god sovereignly has surrounded you with people early on in your christian experience and they fundamentally yes, absolutely maintain you through difficult times and the times that ensue our, our support team is a lifeline to us mm-hmm. if there's any of our financial supporters that are listening we thank you because you're holding the rope for us as we go down into the dark well to reach the loss with the gospel it's a major support. Yeah. Um, let's kind of go. Is there any funny stories you can think of <laughs> recently? Just something. It can it can be a normal story like of, or it can be somebody coming to Christ or like something funny that happened that comes uh, to mind. Uh, the one that comes to mind right now is um, the Pope came to Portugal mm-hmm. recently and over a million people flooded the streets of Lisbon. It was a pretty significant event in a Catholic country, mm-hmm. but it brought people from all around the world sure. to, to our doorstep. I couldn't even get the car through a uh, town. Well, I was handing out gospel tracts and all of a sudden this teenage boy, he ran up and, and actually the way he was doing it was kind of mockingly. Mm-hmm. Um, he was coming up to, basically make fun of what we were doing right. and i said no but wait i have a question for you hmm. and he spoke perfect english and I asked him if you were to die today and you stood before god so on and so forth and then he just zeroed in hmm. walked in on what we said and we got to it was me and my my friend joan we we got to lead him to christ wow. and then 
he just started rallying all of his friends around. He had it was four of them, and one by one by one, they all trusted Christ. Well, it was amazing. God's God spirit showed up. Yeah, and just the lights came on. It, it clicked with them that the free grace message. What was the funny and, part? Well, the funny part was this: we're at this Catholic event with the Pope, and they're there to see him. And one of the guys just says, "So, what are we gonna do the rest of the week?" <laughs> Like, and now we know the, the truth. Like, why are we even here? And I just had to laugh. Like, God used this great big circumstance to bring these these four to the Lord. Yeah. You're in a foreign culture. Um, by the way, could you speak to my dog? She's a creature. Get her saved so she stops it. Um, what would you like people in America to know about a foreign culture? You told me you had to know about some foreign culture, culture shock culture. when you came back. Bigger is not better. Um, <laughs> well, that's the I American think, way, isn't it? Bigger is always better. Right. So I think that's something that the American church has maybe lost. I don't know. It's not true in every case, but the idea of it's not all about the a big church or numbers or um, how nice of a building you have. What matters is the deep discipleship. Let me give you an example. Uh, I have a friend in Portugal, and he's been going to church for about four years. And he came to our house um, for a Bible study, mm -hmm. for a worship night, and he was flooded with joy. Mm -hmm. And he says, this is more of what the church should, should be mm -hmm. than I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. Because it was deep in a, and we were getting into his life and we were singing worship songs from the heart. It wasn't, you know, just a performance in front of him yeah. at, at a church. Yeah. I think kind of like the overall, overall theme I see is first mission. You, you can do missions even if you're not a full-time missionary, right? Absolutely. You don't have to be supported by a church. You can go do it in your grocery store. You can go do it on the streets. You can go do it with friends and like people, you know, um, that's the first thing. And the second thing I see is that um, supporting missionaries, like it, it's, it's its own thing, but it's doable, right? Would you say that like, I, as a kid, I thought missionary work was like, man, these guys are in Africa, um, mm. going to the ends of the earth. They don't have any, they own nothing. They're complete. But like, is that the case all the time? Well, I'm not sure I understood the full question, but yeah. what I'm thinking right now mm. is when it comes to supporting missionaries, it's not just about giving of your treasure, mm -hmm. but giving of your time and your talents. Maybe your time just consists of being a prayer warrior for that person on the field. Yeah. Um, maybe your talents consist of building projects or things that missionaries need or sending equipment or materials. Like we have a great need for gospel tracts on the field that are solid and, and printing mm -hmm. and and people to send our newsletters and so or actually physically going there right participating yeah yes uh coming and checking in on the work that's what i love about uh fellowship international mission mm -hmm. is right away when we switch them they sent someone from the home office to come be with phoebe and i mm -hmm. and just to see that's pretty amazing our lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i have a question for you you've gone to portugal and you've gone into missionary work and you're an evangelist and what you're really asking people to do is to trust in the gospel change to change their thinking to change their mind and eventually to change their lives so that being said 
how has your experience and all of this changed you? Uh, I think that we as, sadly, as we as Americans have this idea that we can go over and set up our own kingdoms. <laughs> and that's not true. We need, God is working everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, like, I went from coming in like, oh, I want to do this evangelism ministry and, you know, build up a network of evangelists, which is all true. It's still the same. But now instead of thinking like, and I need to do a lot of work to get that going. No, it's it's finding the people who are already um, interested or vested in this type of work and partnering with them. God's prepared them. Where God has prepared, but also look where God is working already and try to help that grow. Mm-hmm. Not just always start from scratch. Of course, there are things to start from scratch, mm-hmm. but sure. I think I think that one of the things that I grew in was just saying, okay, um, first of all, team is very important. Um, your, your sending church is a vital part of your ministry. Um, going to a field in not just focusing on other mission agencies or, but, but lay people in the churches Mm -hmm. who no one's taking them by the hand and saying, come out and evangelize Mm -hmm. with me. I'll show you how to do it. Mm -hmm. And let me be a guide to you so that when I leave, you have an abiding witness in this place. I don't want people to um, be misled or misunderstand in any way. So you're an evangelist and you go out Mm -hmm. and you tell people the gospel uh, Jesus Christ died for them, rose again, conquering sin, death, and the grave, and offering newness of life for as a free gift. But then there's discipleship. Have Absolutely. you forgotten that, or Not do you include that in your in your missionary I, work? How, how does that fit in? I detest the idea of hit and run evangelism. Mm-hmm. I like to call it hit and stick evangelism. Mm-hmm. So evangelism is just the first step of the process. They they can't grow until they've been born. And so when we have a, a new believer come to know the Lord, we're giving them materials, we're giving them resources, we're setting them up with a local church. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, this guy, Gabriel, that we know in Portugal, he was already saved, but he was on the subway train one day in the, in the metro mm-hmm. and he was praying, God, send me to other Christians who can help me evangelize. And he literally popped right up out of the station to our group. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is amazing. And, yeah, and I, and we've been discipling him mm-hmm. week in and week out for for over a year now, and he's really stuck with mm-hmm. it. And he's had big changes in his life. And and you know, it's, we don't just do evangelistic discipleship, but we're getting to know their families, we're getting to know their parents, we're getting to know mm-hmm. uh, what makes them tick as a people, mm-hmm. and it, it's natural. Mm-hmm. It's it's natural relationships. Do we want to, we're at 33 minutes now. Do we want to wind down or? Yeah. Do you have any more questions you'd like to ask? Yeah. I mean, I think we covered a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way we can be praying for you? Well, we have two big needs right now. Um, always as a major need is just encouragement. Um, you guys have been a major encouragement to Phoebe and I mm-hmm. um, in good times and hard times. And it's always been consistent. So thank you very much for that. Um, Pray for our supporters. Pray that God protects them and their ministries Mm -hmm. here at home. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, many of them have their own struggles. Mm -hmm. So praying for our support team, which is a a massive part of 
our work. Um, very important integral part. And then that, that leads me just for our support to um, moving to Germany, hopefully in the future, it's a higher cost of living. And so we, we want to take the resources that God gives us and turn it all back into his glory. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, just that the Lord would provide and yeah, we will she do does. We'll, we'll pray that in just a minute. Um, so we've been asking you questions for half an hour. Do you have any questions for Gabe? When are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> Time, talent, or treasure, Gabe? <laughs> I think he gives of his talents North a lot. North couch that question. Do you have any questions for Gabe? <laughs> That's like, here I am, send my sister. Send my, my Let's go right now. Let's go. <laughs> no, well, I think, yeah, we were talking about just going over and being like just for a week or two weeks. Like, you, you know your missionaries by the face and the name, mm-hmm. but do you know the missionaries as people? Because they are people. They're, they're out there doing the work of God with their own. Missionaries aren't perfect, right? <laughs> Uh, mi- Definitely not. Ministry <laughs> missions, like the people in leadership, um, they're pursuing God, trying to, pers- but they're not perfect. Isn't it true though when people, lay people come to the field, they're just a pain in the neck? Depends. <laughs> <laughs> he always gets these questions. <laughs> uh, was that that was a leading question? <laughs> you no, know, when you when they come out, you want them to come and actually do ministry with you, right? Well, I took a team. Um, it was a high school team mm-hmm. that came to Portugal with mm-hmm. a, a group. And uh, they were very sincere, Mm -hmm. but they didn't know the reality. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things I did just to show them the reality of the mission Mm -hmm. was I just took them for a walk through the hardest part of town in Lisbon. Mm -hmm. Because they they wanted to see the buildings and the the statues and and the tourism. Yeah, Yeah, it was a missionary vacation. Mm -hmm. And when I took them through the slums in the back streets where people are shooting up and doing crack and show them these are the people who need jesus here chicago not chicago (laughs) and uh you know that i think that that was a a good thing for them to see to see the reality of what you know satan has done in this world and to know that jesus offers the gift of eternal life and these lives can be rescued yep i think to close with prayer unless there's something else well, just thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you for yeah. joining us. Thank um, you for being here with us. And I'll say part of the discipleship, you discipled me for how many months? Three months? Four months? Like, Hopefully it's still going. <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. But like officially like disciple and like we, um, it was good going through your curriculum that you developed, mm-hmm. um, Word to the World, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which you go yeah. through other people's discipleship through that curriculum. Right. And, and I got that from faithful men who passed it on to me. It's nothing mm-hmm. new. Yeah. Um, it's just a compilation material that we use. So, so if you want to be discipled by Zoom, is that how you do it? We, we do Zoom training quite often. How actually, can people contact you? So we have two ways to be contacted, actually three. The first one is just my email. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the best because I'm traveling quite often. My phone is not always the most reliable. J Welch, J W E L C H at F I M dot O R G is my email. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a missions website at F I M's website where we receive our support, and that would be www.fim.org. And then you go to give and missionaries. Mm-hmm. But the final, where you can keep up with our newsletters, mm-hmm. with our reports, the happenings on the field. Um, is through our family website, which is welchfamilyministry.com. Good. 
Yeah. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Yeah. Thank you. Heavenly Sorry. Father, we are so grateful for your love for all people and that you have specially equipped Jeff to be an evangelist and to go to people in Europe with the good news. We know that Europe is very, very desperate in need of hearing a clear gospel message. So we pray for his ministry, that it would go well. Meet his needs, Father. We pray for his supporters, that they would be, remain faithful to him and faithful to the Lord Jesus in that process. We pray, Father, that you would strengthen him and Phoebe and keep um, the baby Ray in good health. And mm. we just pray, Lord, for what's going on in the world today with Israel and um, mm. the so-called Palestinians. We pray, Lord, for peace, the peace in Jerusalem. Um, we know, Lord, that you are coming back at some point in the rapture, and we don't know if this is that time, but help us to remain faithful to you through these difficult days. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you for joining us with this special edition of the podcast with our friend and thank missionary you. Jeff Welch. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I thank uh, my grandson, Gabriel Penfield, student at Dallas Theological Seminary, and thank you for being with us. May God bless you and keep you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the book podcast if you liked what you heard and want to support us like follow subscribe on any podcasting platform on youtube on facebook instagram or twitter simply type in at hear the book pod at hear the book pod thank you see you next time